What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Annika Creates Podcast. My name is Alex Kratz, and this week we're going to talk about how to communicate effectively and professionally in your emails. I have five tips to make a better impression with your emailing etiquette and to help you make more connections and ultimately land more professional work. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Annika Creates Podcast with your weekly dose of music, technology, and creative inspiration. Now your host, Alex Kratz. All right, so this episode goes hand in hand with last week's episode about social media, but this time we're talking about email and in other cases, the direct messaging side of social media. So how to effectively communicate in those direct correspondence with people and how to just make a great impression because nothing drives me more crazy than when somebody communicates with me through the wrong means of communication about the wrong topics. And there's certain types of communication methods that are best used for certain types of communication and there's different reasons why and why most people... Obviously not for all people, but for most people, there are reasons why they like certain types of communication methods for different things. For example, you're not going to send an email to your friends about what you're going to do tonight, but you will send that in a WhatsApp message or a text message group. And that's the kind of thing that people don't think about when they're trying to communicate with you. They'll comment something on your Facebook post about something very private and professional that they want to talk to you about a new job or something, but they won't send that through an email or a direct message where it's appropriately supposed to be. So today I want to just touch on a little bit of that. Now for anybody who does use email, good on you, and there's a lot of people that still use email, and actually even in the millennial age, most people who run professional businesses still rely on emails very heavily, along with all the other types of communication that we have these days, such as text messaging, WhatsApp, Slack, you know, all those kinds of things. And even with the rise of all these different types of communication in this day and age, email still remains one of the most prominently used connections for professional business-like communication. Emails still remain very popular with over 205 billion emails sent per day. And that hasn't dropped just because of all these different communication methods. It's just easier to separate out certain pieces of information for different types of communication versus other types of communication. So first of all, email started out as the form of communication electronically online that you would do after you met with somebody or how you'd send them other information. So you'd have a meeting, you talk to somebody and then you email them that information or you have a phone call and then email them that information after the fact. It was the written form of what you talked about so that you could actually see it and you could archive that email and you could save it. And to this day, this still remains such an amazing way to use emails. Something that you still can't really do or nearly as easily in WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger is to take certain bits of conversations and save them. I want to talk to you about something in a text message or a WhatsApp group I'll talk to you about it, but it just kind of gets lost in the endless thread of communication that we could have over years and years and years. Yes, it's searchable and you can find it again, but it's really hard if you talk about the same kind of things all the time, how to find the date, how to find the time, how to know everything about who is in that conversation. But the way that emails are structured, you can still see who saw the email, who sent the email, at what time, what was the subject, what was the message, everything like that. And it's kind of broken up into conversations because you send a new email for a different type of conversation. You don't just reply to an email to somebody 
over and over and over and over again for years, it's very broken up into new conversations, which makes it very easy to save that conversation and that correspondence to attach to a different document or to archive for future use. If you discuss prices or a direction for a project or notes based on what you've already sent, you can tell right away from the email a lot of information about that, what was sent and what was the reply to that. So if you're doing music, for instance, you would send somebody an email with a mix and then they would reply to that email with their mix notes. You instantly know that those mix notes are to do with the mix that they just received. There's no gray area whether that's the mix they're commenting on or not, because sometimes if you're in a different meeting, of communication, you can send the mix and they'll send you notes, but they didn't actually see that mix. They received the mix before that. So it's very helpful for you to have that kind of clear understanding in that email thread. Here's the mix, here's the notes. And then the next mix you send back for more notes is either the next thing in the thread or it's a brand new email once again with the subject labeled that name of the mix. This makes it really easy for you to look at down the line and know this mix, this is what you told me to do, this mix, this is what you told me to do. And it's so simple to be able to find that again. If there's any problems or miscommunication down the line, you can tell exactly where it happened. It's just so much easier to solve problems and to know what's going on without having any gray areas. I really think an email is underrated with younger people these days and it really shouldn't be because in the professional world, email is so, so, so key. So now I have five tips that I'd like to share about how to better communicate through your emails and how to come across more professional and how to impress people, especially for the younger people who don't quite understand this, how to better communicate. And a lot of these tips do apply if you're talking through other forms of communication and direct messaging and all that kind of thing. They're not just for email because email is just so much more professional. That's where I'm putting it within the context of this podcast. However, it applies to all communication. Every year I do a lecture at my my old school and I often tell the students feel free to email me. Here's my email. Ask me any questions you want. I'm more than happy to answer them. And still, I get many different types of email correspondences or corresponding through different types of messaging platforms. And just because of that, I wanted to bring up these points because I really think that you can learn from this. And these are the things that bug me personally a little bit and things that I think people could improve on to use more in their communications when they're talking to other people. So now let's talk about these five tips. Tip number one is to be polite no matter what. If you are talking to somebody, whether you're on the receiving end of an email or emailing somebody else, and they respond to you with something you maybe don't like, that is no reason to chew them out or be unprofessional or be rude. They can be rude to you, but you need to be the bigger person and not be rude back. And I understand sometimes that's going to be very difficult, and sometimes that's not responding. If they're being outlandish and just maybe it's clear they don't want to communicate with you, and then you should just walk away because that will haunt you down the line. Let's say that you emailed somebody and they were having a terrible day, a terrible night, they were drunk, and they decided it was a good idea to reply for some unknown reason, but they did. So they give you some stupid, ludicrous response, and they're just being very rude. You should sit on that for a day or two and maybe respond nicely and go, I'm sorry I bothered you, no problem, 
have a great day. Be polite. You don't need to be rude back. That That's not going to solve anything. But sometimes what happens is somebody goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I was blah, 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 blah. I just, you know, who knows what happened? Because so many different people are going through so many things. You don't want to ever assume that that person is literally just a pain. You want to think that they're actually a nice person going through a rough time. So never be mean. Never be rude back to them. Second tip is to say thank you or say anything. I absolutely hate when somebody sends me an email and asks me a question and I take time out of my day and I respond to it and I give them the best response ever. I give them book worthy material and I give them a lengthy response and they do nothing. They don't respond at all. They don't acknowledge the fact that I replied to them. Nothing. That makes me never want to respond to them again. And that actually puts you kind of on a, on a blacklist, if you will. Not only will I not respond, respond to you, but anybody close to me, I will talk to them and I'll go, Hey, if you hear from this guy, don't respond. He, you know, isn't thankful for what I said. We all talk. This, this industry, especially the music industry is not very big. So we all communicate. And there have been times where people have done that to me. And I've gone to the studio manager where at whatever studio I was working at and talked to them and in coffee conversation and, and just mentioned, Oh yeah, yeah. That person emailed me. Oh, they, did they email you with a, a resume? Yeah. They didn't respond back to me when I sent them a huge message and how to get into a big studio. And that instantly will now chop their chances of getting into a big studio, that studio in particular, in half because the studio manager is like, oh, well, I respect your opinion. So if you're saying this, then I'm going to respect that and I'm probably not going to want to hire them. So say thank you or say anything, even a response that's very short going, thank you so much for the information. That's fantastic. I'm going to go try it out now. I really appreciate your time. That's all you have to say anything. And if it's a shorter form of communication, like a text message or a DM, or you're just asking something for, let's say a meeting, can I come to the studio for a tour? Just say thanks. When they say, yeah, come by this time. Thanks so much. See you then. Anything like that, that's what you have to do. You have to reply in some way. The third thing is to not ask too much. If you're emailing somebody, if you're cold emailing somebody and have either never met them or met them very briefly, don't send them a list of 10 different questions. Don't make this an interview. You want to have this happen organically. You want to send them an email with one, maybe two questions that are very similar and related. And then if they respond and they seem very open about it and they seem very willing to talk, then reply back with another question or two and take it slow. You don't want to overwhelm them because the thing that happens is if you send them a list of 10 questions, they're going to think that they're, you know, being interviewed and that you're trying to steal all their secrets or they're going to think that you want too much out of them and they're just not going to respond or you're going to get very limited responses from them. They're going to, you're going to get a couple words to literally answer the question that you have, but that's about it. But if you ask them a limited number of questions and you're thoughtful about what you're asking of them, you probably will get better responses. I know that if I get an email from somebody that I just lectured at the school and I'm talking to them and they ask me a general question about my engineering or my mixing or something that I talked about in the lecture. 
And that's all they really ask. They just ask something simple that I could answer in two words or uh, one sentence, but I decide, you know what? This is good. I can respond to this. And I end up starting to write my response and it just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And I give them a lot of information. If they respond back to that and say, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I'd never thought of this. That's amazing. Is there a tip you have for this? Something that I mentioned in the email. I once again am willing to talk to them. And especially if it's a very well-crafted professional sounding email and they're very thankful for what I've done. That makes me feel like I want to share more information with them. So I'm willing to keep responding to more and more questions. And before they know it, I've answered the 10 questions that they had on their initial list, but I've answered them all really, really well. And they've gotten so much more information out of me than if they had just tried to put them all into one email and send it off to me right away. I wouldn't have answered them with very long answers. I would have summarized very much. They would have got no more information and they would have had no way to develop the relationship because I've already answered all their questions. And especially if I'm not replying with very long emails and not very long responses and it's very short, you're not going to keep asking them questions. If you do, you're going to get pushed aside and not actually get responses anymore. So you want to be able to develop that relationship. You don't want to be a bother. You don't want to ask too much of them all off the bat. Even if you take your 10 questions, for instance, and break it up over the next two months and you email me and I send you a good response back on email number one with your one or two questions and you say, thanks so much. I'm going to go try that. And then another week and a half later, you respond back to me and go, Hey, I've tried the things that you said in the first email. I have another question for you related to this. Then you ask me another question. I'm much more willing to answer that and to continue to give you more information because of two reasons. One, I see that you're not trying to take up all of my time every single day because that's what a big email with 10 questions would be. But I see that you're also trying the things that I'm actually telling you and you're putting what I'm telling you to work. That makes me feel so much better about wanting to give you more knowledge because it's worth my time and I feel like I'm helping you and I feel like you're growing because of what I'm telling you. I'm not giving you the information and you're not actually using it. You're just gathering information and not actually acting on any of it. But if I see you acting on it and I see development because of what I'm saying, I'm willing to give more thorough responses if I see what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve in your own projects and in your own action from these responses. So that's the third thing. Don't ask too much and develop that relationship slowly. Now, tip number four is to give a real response. If you ask a question to me and I ask you a question back, Give me a response back and don't just leave me hanging. This happens a lot, for example, when somebody asks me a question and I give them a response and they don't want to reply back and say, thanks so much, I'm going to try that. They just want to wait, but they can't actually try the thing that I'm telling them for like three days or four days because they're working or whatever. So they just don't respond until they actually go and try what I'm talking about and then they respond back to me. That makes me feel like they forgot about me. That's not prompt replying, but it just leaves it so open because I don't know if you're actually looking at the email. I've kind of forgot. I don't get a good impression when you email me back a week later and go, thanks so much. I tried that because I want that response that you got my email. And then I want to hear a response later that you tried it. That is actually such a better way to develop that relationship with that person and a better way to keep communicating with them and be able to continue to ask them questions. Now, this also goes for something like when somebody asks a studio if they can come for a tour and the studio arranges a tour and they say, Hey, does Thursday at two o'clock work? 
give them a real response. Don't just wait, email them back and go, I'll double check or let me find out and get back to them as soon as you can with an actual response, but give them something and give them a timeline as well. If you are like, I don't know, I'll double check. I'll get back to you in the next three days. Then they know, they know that you have a timeline. And then when you stick to that timeline or get back to them quicker, it makes them see that you're serious and they're actually acting upon the information or what's happening. These real responses and these timelines are so, so important and really bring out that professional communication sound that you want to come across in your emails. Now, the fifth thing, which goes right along with that, is to be timely and deliver on your responses. So if you tell them you're going to get back to them, actually do that. Don't leave the conversation open forever. If you tell them, I'll get back to you in three days, actually email them back within three days and go, yes, thank you so much. I did this. Now this goes as well as if I email you back with a question, I'm trying to email as quick as I can. I'm the one who's busy. So if I take a little bit longer to respond, I'm still trying to respond as quickly as possible. But what I want you to do back to me is to be able to respond back in good time. And what I mean by that is if I respond back to you with a big answer to your question and you leave it open for a week and then go, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. That is so annoying. It makes me feel like you forgot about it. You aren't actually taking my advice or you don't care. You emailed me, but then you're not actually caring about if I respond or not. Those things drive me nuts. And what I want to hear back is I want you to reply back to me within 24 hours of getting a response would be ideal. And I want to see that response, even if it goes back to tip number four, where you say, thanks so much. I'll check that out and I'm going to try it this week, or I'm going to do that this week. I'll let you know in four days. Yes, you're basically pushing back a more detailed response, but you've acknowledged the fact that you've gotten my email and you're allowing me to know that you're actually going to go try what I'm doing or you're going to find out something else for me, whatever the case may be in that conversation, but never just leave it open and think I'll get to it later because that ends up being more often than not a conversation left completely open and no replies ever happening and you forget about it because you probably get a lot of emails in a day or a lot of newsletters or a lot of text or whatever it is, but actually reply. This also drives me nuts when it comes to texting and different things. Just reply back. Just actually say, yeah, cool. I'll find out tonight or let me find out this afternoon or I'll know by Friday. Things like that. That is so, so key. Even when you're talking to somebody that you've known for a long time and it's just so much nicer to have those concrete actual times. And then when you deliver sooner than later, even better for everybody involved. Even if it's your friend and you said, I'll find out about the camping trip by Friday. It's just so much nicer when they deliver back to you on Wednesday. So always remember, be timely and deliver on what you actually say. Now I have a sixth tip here, which is a bonus tip, and that's to help you get into the good books with people you're talking to. And that is to keep a Rolodex of people with notes. It may seem obvious to keep a list or a contact book of all the people you've emailed and their names and their emails, but actually keep notes. So for example, let's put me in your shoes and go to a networking event or talk to a studio manager, or I worked with an artist, anything like that. I'm going to keep a note of what happened. I'm going to keep notes along with their name and their email and their phone number. I'm going to keep notes of what our interaction was. Where did I meet them? What we talked about? 
what their wife's name is, what their birthday is, if they have a dog, if they have kids, anything that you know that you can pull from later on is fantastic. Now, Facebook is really good for this because you can find out a lot of stuff about people and kind of keep notes of it. But that's what I really recommend doing still is keeping notes of that because sometimes people have their birthdays on Facebook and then they take them off. But if you're the guy that still has all those birthdays written down in your contacts and you can see them and you're the one that can email somebody and go, happy birthday, hope all is well. That is fantastic. There's a story that I heard once from my dad about a CEO of a massive, massive company. And every year, my dad was on this list of people that this big CEO of a huge multinational company would email out and have personalized emails every time to all of these different people around Christmas. He would always take notes when he was at meetings and at parties and at networking events and different things like that. And he would literally have a little notebook and he would write things down, what he talked to certain people about, what stage of their life they're at, if they just left a job, if they're at a new job, whatever it is. At Christmas time, he would send out these emails and they would be very personalized. So you know he actually spent time to write them. For example, my dad would get emails and they would actually be named to my dad about, hey, how's it going? How's your wife with my mom's name and even my name? How's your son? Things like that, that nobody but people who actually kept notes would know. But that is something that made such an impact on my dad and on tons of other people that he would do this to. And that's such a big way to make really great connections because if you ever have to email somebody for any reason, you can email them with information that actually shows you were paying attention to whatever they were saying. So you can email them if you're asking them a question and go, hey, how's Vancouver? For example, something that happens to me is the people that I lecture at the school and that email me from time to time, they'll then reply to me later on if they have another question and go, hey, Alex, how's Vancouver? Hope all's well. I have a quick question for you, blah, 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 blah. They have actually paid attention to the fact that I've moved to Vancouver, that I've started a new job, things like that, that they're actually paying attention to, even if they have to look on Facebook for it and they're Facebook friends with me, that's fine. It still shows the initiative and the extra five minutes that they put into that email to look up those things. And that is such a good way to show that you're actually engaged with that person and actually care. It's just such a better way to make a good connection. Now, with that being said, if it's New Year's or Merry Christmas or different holidays or different events in their life, like birthdays or their kids' birthdays that you've had a genuine conversation about, those are perfect opportunities to email them out of the blue, not asking for anything, keeping you in their mind for whatever they think of down the line, because that's exactly how people remember you and just remember to think about you for whatever opportunity comes up. Let's face it, we all need help from different people in all parts of the world all the time. So it's good to keep those connections nice and fresh and, you know, nice and genuine but also very professional. Even if you don't need anything from them, just being friendly, that's kind of the same idea, but keep those notes and actually have relevant information to be friendly with. That will really help all these communications. So those are the five tips plus my sixth bonus tip. Leave a message for me on Twitter or on Facebook and just let me know what you thought of that and if you already do this and how it works out for you and any tips you have about keeping notes or how you do it when you're at different events so that other people can follow along and do the same thing and learn how to better make those connections. I hope these helped you. I hope you put them to use. I hope to get all great emails from all of you. Message me. I'm more than happy 
happy to answer any of your questions or if you have some topics that you'd love for me to cover. I'd love to hear what you would like help with. That's it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And if you know somebody who needs these pointers, maybe a little bit more than everybody else, take a moment to share this podcast with them and maybe they'll thank you. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Anik Creates, and check out my website, AnikCreates.ca, for show notes and staying up to date with everything I put out for you guys. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And with that, I will see you in the next one. Until then, always be creating. Thank you for listening to the Anik Creates podcast. Be sure to check out AnikCreates.ca for show notes and all the latest updates. Until next time, always be creating.